0: Because we have a lot of festivities at the end of this service. Uh, we're going to get right into the message quickly today. And uh, a little shorter, although you know me, it's never too short. Um, the, um, we've been talking for the last couple, well, starting last Sunday through next Sunday. Kind of a sermon, not really a sermon series as much as a sermon theme. Our theme for the last couple, for last week, this week, and next week, our theme for this December is called the manger scene. And uh, when you think about the nativity scene, if you go out in public today, you might see some big nativity scenes at certain stores or places where they have all the casting characters in the Christmas story there. But, but the manger scene is smaller than the bigger nativity scenes. The manger scene is just three people, and we see it mentioned in Luke chapter 2 and verse 16 where it says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And so there's those three characters at the manger scene. And of course, there's others coming. But they, there's Mary, there's Joseph, and there's the baby lying in the manger. And so that's the manger scene. So we're talking about that this December. And last week, we talked about Mary. Now today, and by the way, we're grateful for the second time someone's donated a um, Nativity display uh, to us, and so we're using the individual props this week to remember who we're talking about. That's why this guy's up here, okay? Anyhow, um, so reminder that the, when you open our Christian scriptures, we call it the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, um, you'll find uh, the first four books are the story of the life of Jesus. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're accounts of the life of Jesus, or called the Gospels. And they each tell the same big story, but they tell different details. And they each take the birth of Jesus differently. Mark skips the birth altogether and starts his story with adult Jesus doing ministry. John starts by talking about way back in the beginning of all time when everything was created. And Jesus was there, the Son of God. But Luke, Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth. And he tells the pre-birth story of Mary. Mary's pre-before-Jesus-was-born pre, story. And then Matthew tells the, the story before Jesus' birth of Joseph. And today, we're going to so we talk about Mary last week. We're going to talk about Joseph today as our manger scene uh, examination. And we find his story in Matthew chapter 1. If you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your tablets or on the screen, the verses are there. Matthew chapter 1. And let's begin. But before we start the verses, let me say this. Joseph is an interesting character. Of the three characters at the manger scene, Joseph is the most overlooked of all of them. Because he's just the—I mean, one is Jesus. Hello. You know, we sing about him still. The other is Mary. I mean, you know, she's kind of a big deal to everybody because she's, she's a mother. she carried Jesus in her womb. And then there's Joseph, and he's the one that gets overlooked the most. And, but we're going to look at him today in our manger scene study this December. So the story picks up, and Joseph, by the way, he was a good man. He was a good man. And here's what I want you to remember this series. Joseph had a willing heart heart, a willing heart to do what God said, just like Mary did. Remember Mary last week? She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be according to your will. Joseph also had a willing heart in a less than ideal circumstance. Okay? So let's talk about this together beginning with Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I, I, we went over this in more detail last week when we discussed Mary, but I don't want to zoom past it because maybe. Many of us didn't catch it, and it's important to remember we are good at romanticizing the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus story. We're good at romanticizing this thing in modern culture. We westernize it, quite honestly. Well, first of all, we, we romanticize the birth. Like, what's so romantic about being born in a barn or giving birth, moms, giving birth to your child in a barn? I mean, it was, it, we're just crazy We just because it's, it's sentimental. It's our religion. We love the, the Christmas cards. We love the pictures, the manger scenes. We like to read about it with our scented candles that smell so good, it was not smelling so good where Jesus was born, okay? We just have a different viewpoint today because we can romanticize it. But, but we glamorize it, and it wasn't glamorous. But also, and this is important to understand, we romanticize the romance of Mary and Joseph. And I'm not saying it wasn't romantic. The problem is we look at a, a story of a couple through modernized, westernized American 21st century ideology and life. Like this was a couple who knew each other in high school. They were on Snapchat. They had a long streak going and they, they, they went to Starbucks and caught some, some, uh, some lattes together. And next thing you know, they were registered at Target and getting married. It was wonderful. We have our own version of how the story goes in our minds to some extent. But, but back then, the world was different. 2,000 years ago in the Middle East... Okay, Even today in the Middle East, it's not always the same as we uh, westernize it today. But in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, I mean, women didn't have the kind of rights that you enjoy today. We talk about women having voting rights for the last 100 years. No one voted back then. They just had monarchies, anarchies, and uh, dictators, and emperors. But uh, women didn't have property rights most of the time without special circumstances. They couldn't testify in court. They were not... They couldn't. If a woman was working in that time of culture, it was a desperation move. She was either widowed or divorced or, you know, unwanted, and she just was trying to figure out how to survive. And for so for women back then, as much as we don't understand her, and we're thankful we don't understand this today in our culture, for them to just get out of their parents' house and have a future, they needed a man to come and offer, you know, to take them and um, present the parents a dowry that he could financially support. And then that would be her ticket to get out and do the dream of becoming a mom and starting a family. And um, the men sometimes could be much older. We don't even know how much older Joseph was than Mary. It doesn't say. We picture them as two teenagers. Mary was a teenager. We don't know how old Joseph was. We know that when Jesus was an adult, Mary was still around. There's no sign of Joseph during Jesus' adult years. We don't know. But Joseph was at least old enough to establish himself as a carpenter. He's going to be able to come to her, Mary's family, offer them a dowry, say, I can provide a good living. And I'm not rich. He was never rich. We can see that. But provide a, a solid living to Mary and our children. And she was a virgin. That was a big deal to men then, that they were going to get the girl, and that was only, gonna, only for him. And so virginity was a very important deal. On the girl's end, apparently, more than others. It's just the way culture was. That does not mean there wasn't romance or love stories it just wasn't not the same as it looks today, and we don't know how it looked for Joseph and Mary. We don't know the details, but when you try to picture their story in a modern tale of romance, you at least need to understand how things worked back then, because it was some variation of, it was just a couple getting married and moving on with their life. She wanted to get married, have kids, be out of the house, and go forward. So all of a sudden, she's engaged to this man who's, who's met her family, convinced them they could take care of her, put some money in, and... And she's a virgin, and that's a big deal, and they're getting plans, and she's going to be with him soon. Then she's pregnant. She's pregnant. What's that due to the plans? We talked about that last week. This week, look at verse number 19 with me. Verse 19, Joseph, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, her fiancé, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. This is a big deal. Joseph, we mentioned it before. Joseph was going to end it. I mean, don't, don't look, we're 2,000 years later. We're like, well, God was doing something. Yes, we know that now. Joseph was like, I'm out. It is not, look, nobody here wants your fiancé, girlfriend, wife, Say, hey, we've not been together ever or not in a long time, but I'm pregnant, but I've not been with anybody else. It's a miracle. I mean, we're like, "Uh uh-huh, I've heard that story before. Seriously, I mean, um, I wonder how many people tried that tale back in those days. You know, there's a prophecy. Honey, I'm pregnant, but here's the craziest thing. Craziest thing, it was God, you know. So Joseph is supposed to, like, take this girl to be his wife who's now pregnant. Now, this is a tough situation. And he can disgrace her publicly in how he does this. But he doesn't want to, so he's going to break this engagement off quietly. I keep saying this today. Joseph was willing, and this is the first thing I want to point out, that Joseph was willing to treat her well in her assumed wrongdoing. Joseph knew nothing different yet, other than his woman is telling him that she's pregnant with a baby, but there is no father but God. So what is Joseph supposed to believe? He can think well of Mary. He might say, well, she's a good girl. This surprises me but apparently she made a mistake and now she's got some crazy story. Or it's a miracle. But even if it's a miracle, how does this work for Joseph's good? Just, just be practical. I know we spiritualize it so easily. Be practical. How is it ideal? In that culture that a man would get married, their children would be, would be theirs, his first son would get the birthright. It was a whole ordeal. It was a, it was a cultural thing. And now this other child would be the firstborn son in their house because his wife would bring him in, not his child. Even if you subscribe to a miracle, which I'm sure... You know, someone tried to tell their parents or or, or boyfriend or someone that sort or girlfriend's. I don't know what happened. It was God. Even if you believed it, it just messes up the whole story. Messes up his whole everything. So Joseph is just saying, "Well, I don't know what's going on, but I'm done. I'm out." He's going to break it off privately to not humiliate her, and that's impressive. He was willing to treat her well because many of us today we don't play that game. If someone breaks our heart we got to let the world know. And we have social media today, so it's even easier. Because Facebook even says, what's on your mind? Well, I'll tell you what's on my mind right now. You know, updated relationship status. No longer in a relationship, you know. I mean, Joseph could have even just word of mouth. He could just go to his friends and say, guys, I need some support. Pray for me. You know what, Mary and I are breaking up. Well, she's pregnant. I don't know. And, and, and how many of us are willing to treat someone right, especially when they do us wrong? The temptation that we have as humans is to go to other people when we feel mistreated and to spread the word but not look like, like bad guys. We don't want to look like bitter old gossipy mean people. So we do it in nice ways. Oh, hey, no, I just, I'm just going to tell you what's happening. Pray for them. Yeah, they kind of did me wrong, but I don't want to hurt them. Just don't think bad of them, but I just want you to know all about it. So in other words, the person we're telling it to can think that person's bad, and you're awesome for not wanting to think bad of them. You're like, yeah, don't think bad of me. Look at me. I want to be be forgiving of them. So, you know, remember me. Spread the word of what they did. And tell everyone what they did to me and how I'm so gracious about it. You know, we have our own little way of trying to look good while they look bad. And Joseph is sitting here saying, how can I get out of this thing and not make her look bad to cover my disappointment? How can I get out of this thing and take my disappointment without totally humiliating this girl in the process. Joseph was willing to do that. That's impressive, isn't it? Let's keep reading, though. Verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It's interesting. An angel appeared to Mary in awake, wake. Like he walked in the room and said, boo, you know. That was how she, he appeared to Mary. But in Joseph's case, he appeared to him in a dream. And there were some key people in the Bible who had dreams where God spoke to them. And Joseph's one of them. In several cases, God speaks to Joseph through dreams. And as he's dreaming one night, an, the Lord appears to him. An angel appears to him. And here's what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And again, we discussed that last week, okay? Verse 21, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, this is important. Several prophecies fulfilled, but this is important here because this helps us understand how Mary and how Joseph might be able to swallow this crazy situation. Just think with me. In their their religious culture, in their religious culture hundreds of years earlier, We have them recorded in the Hebrew scriptures. In the the religious culture, hundreds of years earlier, there was a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied about the coming Jewish captivity to the uh, Assyrians in the northern kingdom and to the Babylonians in the southern kingdom. And and, and so Isaiah prophesies about the judgment that's coming on the nation, the reestablishment of the nation. And in the middle of his prophecies, he mentions a virgin conceiving, bearing a child, being called Emmanuel or God is with us. Now, the thing is, is a lot of people in that day and age misunderstood that prophecy. Kind of like everyone today misunderstands Bible prophecy. One of the reasons I don't love Bible prophecy as a topic to get into is I've been in church all my life. I've watched religious people constantly look at the current current political landscape and try to figure out Bible prophecy through their filters. And usually ends up being proven wrong time and time and time again. And so I've just been kind of like, "Eh, I've heard the story before. I don't know. It's going to happen how it's going to happen, right? Well, that happened in those days. By the time Jesus was born, this prophecy was given, but people misunderstood it. There was actually a story going that uh, this was already fulfilled. Sometime around the captivity and the return of the exiles, this sign was already given. So there was a lot of confusion. But it was still out there. And Mary and Joseph were raised in good homes, devout Jewish kids they knew the prophecy how how many people still applied it to this moment versus a past event or an I don't know event but they heard it and this is important because this would be something that would make the situation more plausible there's an old religious reference to a virgin conceiving and an angel appears to her and says it's going to happen and then she's a virgin and boom baby bump And then turn around, and he's getting an angel appearing to him. And he's like, Mary's a good woman. She has a crazy story. An angel appeared to me. And there's those ancient scriptures. Hmm. This was so important in helping this couple. We think, well, of course they took this news and ran with it. This would be life-altering news. But God was doing something. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Isn't that something? He gets up and says, okay, I'm I'm, I'm not putting her away privately anymore. I'm going to marry her after all. But, But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Remember, the angel told Joseph and Mary his name will be Jesus. Joseph didn't pick the name. Mary didn't pick the name. Who picked the name? His father picked the name, right? So they just carried out dad's wishes. But Joseph does this, and the baby's born. Now, here's what's interesting. In doing this, Joseph was willing once again. Earlier, we said he was willing to treat her well in her assumed wrongdoing, but now he's willing to do something else. Now, Joseph is willing to take her shame as his own. This is impressive. Joseph is willing to take her shame as his own. Think about this for a minute, if you would. This is hard to explain. Remember last week's story? Mary took off when the angel appeared to her. She spent the first three months of this time over visiting Elizabeth. Remember that? She comes back. She's at least three, maybe four months pregnant. Joseph's having to hear the news, plan to put her away, pray about it. How fast did the angel appear to him? I don't know. But she's partway through her pregnancy. He gets married to her. Now listen, folks, I don't know about you, but At some point, all the friends and family are saying, hmm, the math doesn't add up. You know what I'm saying? The math doesn't add up. They're like, so wait a minute. You've been married for how many months and the baby's born right now, huh? Baby's due today. Uh, You're just getting married and that's a pretty loose dress you're wearing there, Mary. I mean, seriously. Like, Joseph is either walking in saying, and again, I know lots of people got pregnant lots of ways back then, but these were good, God-fearing kids who would have to face their family and all their friends and all the gossip. And he marries her and says, I'm not gonna, no one's going to believe this. No one's going to understand this, but I'm going to take her shame as my own. Together we're going to walk through this. And he did. It's impressive. Joseph was willing. Something else, by the way, before we move on. Joseph was willing to be the dad he didn't have to be. He was going to put her away, so that's not my kid. And it wasn't. And then the angel came and said, Joseph, I want you to do this. And it's interesting that Joseph had a moment, just like Mary. Remember when Mary, Mary gave consent? The angel appeared to Mary, and Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen according to your word. And the angel left her, and then it happens. Well, Joseph is putting her away, and the angel comes and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And Joseph steps up, and he was willing to be the dad he did not have to be. He had his own plans, and they were being altered quickly. And he was becoming a back story issue in his own house. And a lot of men struggle with that, especially in that culture. He's a back story issue in his own house. And Joseph was willing to do that. I want to take a quick moment and say a shout out. I I am so impressed with every stepmom and stepdad I've ever seen who raises and loves children as their own. I see it all the time. I've seen so many uh, stepmoms and stepdads take on a child that they didn't physically birth. But they, but they met someone and they took their child as their own and were better parents to their stepchild. They're a better mom and dad to that child than their biological parents ever were. I've seen it so many times. If that's you, congratulations. It's always a, a sign of the love of God. You know, sometimes you, know, you have your a child and then you have your own kids, but you say, This child is no less mine than the ones I birthed, they're all my kids. And and I'll be a better parent than many biological parents will ever be. This is my child, my flesh and blood. They didn't come from my body, but they have my heart. And and I just always want to say, whenever I see that, the love of God is demonstrated when someone does that, as well as so many people. So many of you have done that when you've needed to. Joseph was willing to be the dad. He did not have to be. He'd have his own kids later on with Mary. But Jesus was the one he raised as his son. And I love it. I love the story. Keep going. Um, what happens next is interesting. What happens next is the baby's born. Again, it's a really weird thing that's happening. In Rome, Rome rules the world at this point. Not the world, but a lot of it. Rome issues a census because the new Caesar wants to know who all is under his empire so he can text them because... Two certain things in life, death and taxes, you know. So he wants to get a census to tax everybody. So he um, requires this. So, of course, they rule over Israel at the time. So Joseph's required to go back to the city of his origin, which is a descendant of King David, which would be Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a small town outside of Jerusalem a little ways, kind of a distant suburb, so to speak, a little town. And Joseph's going to go back to Bethlehem to register for the census because Caesar in Rome is requiring it. But he's got a very pregnant wife, so it's not very ideal. And when they show up in when they show up in um, Bethlehem, it's not made it's not a thoroughfare like Jerusalem is, where feasts happen all the time. It's a smaller town. There's only one motel six, and they only only leave that on part of the time. There was, uh, all the Airbnbs were booked. And so they couldn't find any place to go. And so because of that, they go out and stay in a barn. Joseph and his very pregnant wife. And they're not the only two. I'm sure many people were staying in barns in Bethlehem during that census. Including Joseph and Mary. And while they're in the barn, her water breaks. Contractions start. Baby comes. Yummy. And now... She, she's a mama. He's a, and they didn't stay in the barn. They didn't stay there forever. At some point, maybe he's out of pity. Someone says, we got a house space for you now for the baby. Or maybe no one cared until the census was over. People went back home and Bethlehem went back to normal. At some point, they moved indoors. And they didn't leave Bethlehem. I don't think they wanted to travel back to Nazareth with a new baby. And so they spent a couple of years there. Joseph probably went to work as a carpenter, paying the bills, figuring things out. They moved inside a house. And they're raising their child. At some point, wise men from the east saw this star and knew these prophecies. And they come to Jerusalem, find King Herod. King Herod was the Roman-appointed leader of the Jews under Roman rule. Roman-appointed. And they come to King Herod and say, we're looking for the newborn king of the Jews. And Herod's like, what? I'm the king of the Jews. And my kids will be after me. What what do you mean? So, So the wise men find Jesus in Bethlehem. After they they do their thing, they're sent home a different way, and Herod wants to find this threat to his throne. And about that time, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Once again, appearing to Joseph in a dream, that's how, how, how God led Joseph. Appears to him in a dream and says, Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Notice the wording there. Not with your child. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, Joseph, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, that very night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until the de- Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet I have called my son out of Egypt. You'll see those phrases a lot in Matthew's story. This fulfilled an ancient prophecy. Remember something about God God is not constrained by time like you and I are. You know, we, we live in the dimension of linear patterns of time, we're only three dimensional, so we don't understand these other, this timelessness that is God. And so what we're thinking about now and what happened hundreds of years ago to God, it's it's just he moves through all of it. So hundreds of years before this happened, God spoke to prophets saying, here's what's going to happen. And then in our linear time when it happens, we're like, whoa, they prophesied this and it happened. And God's like, yawn, big deal. He was just fulfilling his word that he showed ahead of time to make a point that he was going to do it. And so they're going to Egypt. Can we just for a minute appreciate Joseph's situation Joseph was willing once again. Do you think Joseph, when he was planning to get married to this girl, give her parents a dowry, work hard as a carpenter, business plans, he's going to build a big construction empire, perhaps, I don't know. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant, got to break it off. Angel, don't break it off. Is God, okay, thanks God, I guess I'll change my plans. He marries her, he's second fiddle, so to speak. And now, he's in Bethlehem for two years because of the census and because of this baby. What's my future? What's my next career move going to be? And as he's sitting in Bethlehem, God appears to him again and says, Joseph, you got to leave the country. Why would Joseph want to leave the country? Who wants to go to Egypt? He's like, what? i got to run for my life with this lady and with my wife and her son to Egypt? That's not part of my five-year plan. I had a five-year plan, you know. It didn't include Egypt. It's not even my kid. But this is what is asked of him, and this is important, that Joseph was willing. Joseph was willing to lead God's way even when it wasn't his way. His way was have a dowry, have a wife, be a carpenter, raise a family. Now he's got a wife and a son of hers, and now he's running to Egypt. And yet God is still appearing to Joseph in a dream. This is so big, because you know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to check out with God once our plan gets destroyed. Joseph could have checked out and said, hey, huh. You want to talk to somebody, talk to Mary. Apparently, you got some kind of special connection anyhow. Talk to her. Talk to the kid, you know. I mean, he's yours. Know, Here's Joseph with a, almost a two-year-old baby now at this point, toddler, and he's going to still be so tender-hearted that God is appearing to him in dreams to lead this family even though God's wrecked his plan. He didn't check out. We, we, we want to check out when our plans get moved. Fine, I'm done. I'll take my ball and go home, you know. And to be willing to say, well, God, you're, you're, in, you're in charge here. Think about this. God was in charge. When God became the lead in Joseph's home, it would always be Jesus and Jesus' mother and Joseph. Joseph was still willing to say, I'll raise them. I'll support them. I'll be a father to him. I'll, I'll make this work. I'll pay the bills. And I will move to Egypt. With God. I will listen to God's voice. And God can lead me to lead my family, even though My hopes were changed and my plans were changed. God can still lead me and I won't shrink back and be a second fixture on the wall just paying the bills for the family. I will step up as a man and be led by God despite my disappointments and my changed plans, including being led to Egypt way out of the way. It's an impressive story. Let's keep going. They go to Egypt. They're there. In verse number nineteen, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So, another angel appearance, another leading of Joseph to lead his family. He goes back to Egypt, or back to Israel again. Verse twenty, uh, verse uh, twenty-one. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, again in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. This... So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said, that he, Jesus, will be called a Nazarene. And again, we saw last week, Mary was from Nazareth. Joseph was probably from Nazareth, but they kind of resettled in Bethlehem when the baby was born, and that's how life goes. But they went back home because God led them there because that was his plan all along. And Joseph just did what God led him to do. Now, as we look at this manger scene these weeks, that's our theme this December, I want you to not just quickly rush over the beauty of the story, the beauty of the story of a couple, Mary and Joseph, two people who were willing to trust God when God's plans were far different than what she had in her diary or her hope chest and he had in his five-year plan. That they were willing to trust God and accept his will she said, what is her prayer? May it be, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen according to your will. What did Joseph do? He was willing. What an example to Jesus growing up. I know is God's son, but later on he would be asked to say, not my will, but yours be done, Father. But Joseph did it before, and Mary did it before. They were willing to follow God's lead, accept God's will, and trust his plan. And if you want my opinion, this curveball to Mary and Joseph was harder on Joseph than it ever was on Mary. She got to carry the Christ child in her womb. She got that motherly bond. She was the mother. I mean, to this day, some some parts of Christianity, they they deify her. And she wasn't. She was just the mother of deity, the earthly vessel that carried the Son of God, who was Jesus, was deity. But Jesus is awesome. Mary's especially connected to him. So, yes, it's a curveball for her, but it kind of worked out well. But Joseph's the other guy. And that's the end of his story you'll see Mary pop up over and over again. The only time Joseph is mentioned after this, well, when Jesus is 12 years old, they kind of lose him one day at a feast. And that's kind of a, he's mentioned briefly there and just as a side mention. And then when jo- Jesus is an adult, his mother's around, there's no sign of Joseph anywhere. His name comes up like once or twice. Like They're like, aren't you Joseph's kid? But they're not saying Joseph's even alive, so we don't know where he's at. He's nowhere in the story. His little appearance that we know about in history takes place when he, as a young man with a dream of his own, is asked to change his plans and, raise, and and marry and raise the Son of God in his house. And he was willing. He was willing. It's impressive. It's amazing. He was willing to treat Mary well in her assumed wrongdoing. He was willing to take her shame as his own, He was willing to be the dad he didn't have to be. And he was willing to lead God's way even when it wasn't his way. I think in the end of Joseph's story, as we walk away from this talk, we can say this, that Joseph was a man God could trust with his son. Joseph was a man God could trust with his son. And that's an incredible statement. And I want to wrap up there, but let me just tease it out a little bit here. First of all, I want to speak to those of you who get to be parents or got to be parents or hope to get to be parents that uh, that's a good reminder to all of us that even if we have children and their children are born of our flesh and blood, like no virgin birth, like they're our kids, they're ultimately still his children, aren't they? Like we're still raising God's children. One of the hardest, one of the things you'll learn as a parent is that ultimately though you're raising your kids, you're really raising God's. They're his children. In the end, our children grow up to be like us, children of God, which makes, in the way, I get a way, I've got a chance to raise my siblings, <laughs> my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they're my children, but they're His. And I, you know what I've always wanted to be my whole life? I wanted to be the man, a man that God could trust with His kids. And that should be a hope for all of you, moms and dads. If God gives you a life, unless you carry them, that you'll always raise and remember who they belong to and raise them responsibly. But apart from how we raise those kids, let me say this as well, real quick. Um, Joseph was a man that God could trust with his son. But God's entrusted his son to all of us today. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And today, God gave a son, let him go, be born, wash him, live in our shoes, go through all the sufferings that we go through, die on the cross, pay for our sins, rise again, in order to bring us back to him, to redeem us. As we're celebrating baptism in just a moment here, baptism is a picture of inward faith. We put our faith and trust in Christ as our Savior, and then baptism outwardly displays that inward faith in Jesus, kind of like a wedding ring displays an outward show of an inward faith of a commitment between a couple outwardly displayed symbolically. Baptism is a symbol that shows everyone else my faith is in Christ and I'm identifying with him. But God gave his son for us. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, today is a great day to do so. I hope that as we have a moment of of prayer and a moment here, you can do that. But if you've never done so yet, God gave his son for you. Will you be trusted to take what he gave you and do what he's asked you to do, which is to believe on him? to receive his sacrifice as your payment for your sins. Let's respond to Christ the way that he was given to us for. And thank God for Mary last week. And thank God for Joseph, a man that God could trust with his son. And as we wrap up the story next week, next week we finish it up with the other person in the the manger scene, Jesus. Let's go ahead and close this one with prayer.